Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Guys Without Helmets. Well, week 15 is in the books, and we are moving into week 16, getting ever closer to the end of the season. Episode 97, thanks for tuning in, guys. We're going to jump right in, as always. Once again, I apologize. It's cold and flu season. I sound like somebody different. Trust me, it's me. Let's jump right in with the week 15 scoreboard. The Bears went to uh, Cleveland. We're unable to walk away with the win, 17-20, as the Browns continue to make their advance in their division. Now just a few games behind the Ravens. Uh, this was one of the better games, guys. The uh, team in Houston fought the old team in Houston, uh, and the team in Houston come out on top. Is that confusing? The Titans lose to the Houston Texans 16-19, to despite wearing that sweet throwback uniform. Yeah, and they did it all without C.J. Stroud. Case Keenum came in and got it done. Devin Singletary had a big game. I think he had like 150 scrimmage yards or more than that, something like that. But he really carried the load for them. Will Levis left with, a, I think, an ankle injury. Um, it was, Yeah, I think that the Houston Texans should have that jersey and that history, but that's a whole other debate. Yeah, that is a whole different debate. Yep, and the Titans didn't really do much. I think it was a historically bad game for Derrick Henry. Um, just in terms of his stat line, he had 20 overall touches, 16 rushes, only 10 scrimmage yards. That's historically terrible, and I mean, understandably, this is just not a good game for them offensively across the board. Yeah, and Will Levis left with a high ankle sprain, not sure of his status for this week. Anyone heard an update on whether or not he's actually hurt or able to play? Or I mean, he seemed fine coming out of the game, <laughs> and he seems like he's, I mean, he's not practicing, but he seems like he could be able to go this Sunday. Singletary again carrying the load, 26 carries, 121 yards. Noah Brown, their leading receiver, with 82 uh, yards and a touchdown. Yeah, Case Keenum got those victory waffles, uh, 23 of 36, 229, a touchdown and a pick. Good showing. All right, let's talk about the Chiefs. No problem handling Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. They win 27-17. Battle of the Bulge in this horrible, horrible division that we call the NFC South with the bottom two-tier teams playing each other. Uh, and the Falcons scoring seven points, and the Carolina Panthers coming out on top with just nine points. Let's stop here for a moment. San Francisco 49ers continue to roll, look like the uh, perennial favorite to walk away with the Super Bowl this year with a 45-29 to win over Arizona. This game was closer than I thought, Caleb. There were times where the score was much closer, and it looked like had a couple things gone their way, Arizona might would have snuck away with the win. Uh, yeah, it was a divisional game. I mean, they're always close. At the beginning, it seems, and then McCaffrey kind of took over in this game. McCaffrey has a strong case, him and Brock Purdy. It's really between them right now for MVP. Um, I would I would be surprised if it went running back, but I think Brock Purdy has a really good shot right now winning the MVP. Yeah, I think the surprising thing for me was how, uh, at one point, the Cardinals had a, what was it, like a, a fumble, a kick fumble that they didn't get, which they scored on, which would have made it really close, and it was it was concerning as the uh, San Francisco 49ers pull away at the end. Brock Purdy continues to impress, 16-25, 242 for four touchdowns. Kyler Murray, as you know, not my favorite guy. Uh, 211 yards, one touchdown, two picks. But overall, 49ers look like they're rolling. Okay, another game. A little surprising for me that this was the outcome. Uh, the Ravens go to Jacksonville in Duval County. They win 23-7. I'm not going to lie, been under the weather, sleeping a lot, kind of kind of out of it a little bit. And I went to bed just because I was wore out, and I said, hey, Josh, who's going to win this game? Oh, Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville didn't win the game. Well, what's going on with Jacksonville? Aren't they supposed to be a team, uh, I mean, that is supposed to be putting it all together? Yeah, they've been pretty banged up on the 
secondary side of the ball with the defense. Um, Tyson Campbell's been in and out, and Andres Hisco's been in and out. It's just been a revolving door at secondary there for them. And ETN's kind of disappeared some weeks this year, which he's usually their bell cow and usually carries for them. And somehow the Ravens are winning these games without a running back. Right. Um, they lost Keaton Mitchell in this game, who is their undrafted player from ECU we talked about a few weeks ago. Towards ACL, unfortunately, he's going to be out for obviously the rest of this year and some of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, now they they promoted Melvin Melvin Gordon off of their practice squad, the old veteran. So we'll see what happens. But they're doing this all without a running back, and they are the number one team in the AFC currently. Lamar Jackson actually has the most yards per attempt as a rusher for them. So not good as far as the running game goes. So we'll see right. what they do with Melvin Gordon. Lamar also being their leading rusher, twelve carries, ninety seven yards, uh, likely stepping up at tight end for them. If you look at the tail of the tape, uh, Lawrence actually outplayed Jackson. Uh, 25-43, 264 yards, touch, no picks. Jackson with 171 yards, a touch, no pick. But, Josh, I was saying, I went to bed uh, in my little slumber saying, ah, what's going to happen? You said Jacksonville's going to win. And I woke up in shock to find out that the Ravens won the full. What's wrong with Jacksonville? They're just very unfortunate at this point in time. They have a lot of turnovers in the red zone. Well, not turnovers, but, I mean, you saw the first half, how it ended. They tried to rush the play. Right. Ran out of time. They've had just unfortunate scenarios in the red zone. They just haven't been good there. And then obviously they have Christian Kirk who's been out. Zay Jones who played with an injury and he had a knee injury. Now he has a hamstring injury on the same leg. Um, So they're really trying to rely on these guys and Evan Ingram and Calvin Ridley. Just haven't been good in the red zone. They've had a lot of mistakes. I mean, they really should have put up two touchdowns in the first half and they did not. And it should have been much closer. As you said, Trevor Lawrence outperforming uh, Lamar Jackson in this game. But the Ravens ultimately dominated time possession. I know they don't really have a running game, but as Caleb said, Lamar Jackson, being that runner for them, has really taken over. Without Keaton Mitchell, without J.K. Dobbins, they're going to have to rely on Melvin Gordon and Gus Edwards even more so. So, Ouch. They dominated time possession, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, that I, they didn't look terrible. Their defense played very well. Josh Allen's played very well. Just they need to score when they get the opportunity, and they just haven't they done haven't so. Been able to. What's the status of um, Trevor Lawrence with his high ankle sprain? He just plays through it. No Trevor Lawrence, game. I mean, he's played through everything. He's had a shoulder, <laughs> knee, ankle. He's been able to play. He hasn't missed a game. I think they put up a graphic as the game happened. I think he's the third longest active streak for games. He hasn't missed a game in his career as of yet. So he's he's very much so built for this, and he's uh, obviously didn't get re-injured, so he's good for next week. Last week we had to watch the Vikings painfully go 0-0 most of the game and pull a victory out. This week we get to watch them go 24-24 tie into overtime in the Mullins-Browning Bowl, which who would have thought that Mullins and Browning – actually, these guys are balling out. Mullins, 26-33, 303 yards, two touches, two interceptions. And Browning was uh, 29-42, 324, two touches and a pick. Yeah, it was all at a cost, though, especially for the Bengals. They're without Jamar Chase now. He's the AC joint sprain which we don't know how long that will affect them. Obviously, he's their best weapon on offense, so if he's out for the rest of the year, they're, right now they're a fringe wildcard team right. currently with their record. Um, obviously, that's a blow, and they lost a lot on their defense. Um, so I don't know how I feel about the Bengals now. I think they're going to be out of it. But um, same thing on the Vikings side. Nick Mullins with the backup juice, full dose of it, playing very good considering he just got the job on the fourth quarter of the game before this week. So... A lot of backup quarterbacks, just another one to add to the list. I think there's like been 15 backup quarterbacks that have played a snap this year, which is insane. Um, yeah, I mean, surprisingly a high-scoring game for lowly players. Yeah, and they're about even on – outside of rushing, where Ty Chandler outperformed the Bengals, 
Uh, they were pretty even in this game across the board. Stat lines where they went to overtime as well. Nick Mullins, if you saw, he had two interceptions, but one of them really, I mean, it, it was just a weird play. He ultimately was trying to dump it off, trying to throw it away, and ended up throwing it right into the guy that was sitting on the ground, which just turned up into an interception. So, I mean, it was a bad play, obviously, but it was a unique play, and I guess they would consider that interception, of course, but it was just a very unique situation. So, um, just for them, they played very similar. The two backup quarterbacks, Nick Mullins and Browning, both over 300 yards, both have two touchdowns. Their top two receivers, very efficient. Jordan Addison went six for 111, two touchdowns. <coughs> T. Higgins, four for 61 and two touchdowns. I mm-hmm. know if you saw that second touchdown where he basically was tackled on the sideline and whipped his entire body around to yeah, score. Yeah. Very cool there, but the, the receivers played well. Ty Chandler played well, just obviously Jake Browning playing very, very well right now. All right, let's go through a couple more scores here on the scoreboard. Uh, the Denver Broncos go to um, Detroit, which where Detroit absolutely owns teams. 42-17, Jared Goff and the Lions get the win. This is a surprise game for some people, but Baker Mayfield nearly perfect in the 34-20 uh, just absolute dominance of the Green Bay Packers. It was great to see Mike Evans continue uh, on the path that he's on, and Baker just looked amazing, guys. Yeah, and they had 353 passing yards on, uh, from Baker, obviously. 100 rushing yards, just very efficient. I think only six incompletions for Baker Mayfield in this game as well. Uh, the defense, I think they essentially benched Devin White. Uh, Levante David's finally healthy, but they're putting in K.J. Britt. They're putting in Servashier Dennis over Devin White. So it looks like he's out of there this year. They're not going to pay him. Uh, but this defense has been playing well, and obviously Baker Mayfield having his best game of the year as well. Yeah, what, what do they say? Death taxes and Mike Evans scoring a touchdown. Um, it's Mike Evans is the guy that's awesome. Everyone shorts him until he does it again and again and again. So until he gives me a reason not to buy him in fantasy or not to want him to start, oh, yeah. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, and with that, uh, David Moore, I know if you remember him from the Seahawks days, is their number three guy. They just activated him last week, and now this week he had a big play. <laughs> he had a 52-yard touchdown only on two catches in this game. But we also saw Chris Godwin have his massive game, really, that he hasn't had in the past two to three years. He had 10 catches for 155 yards. Uh, the biggest play, only 25 yards. So he really carried the yardage total for this offense. Couple games I would call these no surprises. Uh, the Miami Dolphins at home take care of the Jets, thirty to nothing. The only thing really newsworthy about this is that once they announced that um, we we don't talk about Wilson on this, but once they announced a certain young quarterback was going to be the starter again a couple weeks ago, um, he was hesitant to take the role. Now it's been released that the Jets and Wilson have agreed to part ways next year. That he wants to play for a team with an opportunity to start. And it's clearly not the New York football Jets. Yeah, well, if you look at the passing leader of this game for the Jets, it was Trevor Simeon. He did have 26 attempts to Zach Wilson's 11 attempts. They put up zero points on offense. Uh, If you had Brees Hall in a playoff matchup, you're probably not in the playoffs anymore, unfortunately. He had six (laughs) yards on 12 carries, only two-something in PPR. Um, But just not a great game for them on offense. Obviously, Zach Wilson has no future here, as you said. But the Dolphins just continue to run over teams. No Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tua, 21 of 24. Just They took care of them very easily on offense. Caleb, you get worked up about this. Dolphins and Cowboys haven't beaten anyone with a 500 record thing. We, we had some dialogue off, you know, off recording. Why does this work you up so much? It's a stupid stat. Yeah, cause the I'm, Bills, for example, real quick. Yeah. They're below 500 before they just beat Dallas. Right. Um, what are they right now? They're... Eight and six. Well, yeah, they were below five hundred for a minute, one minute. Okay. And I don't understand how that they, they are counted in as a stat against Dallas last week. I mean, 
What? They're, they're, they're saying the teams that they have lost to have, have all been records. have winning records. Right. Yeah, but the teams that they lost to or that have beaten with good bad records aren't bad teams. Yes, well, what the, I think what's misleading in the stats is you mm-hmm. look at the Dolphins. They lost to the Buffalo Bills within their division. They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, the Kansas City Chiefs, and then you have that loss that they probably should have won against the Tennessee Titans where they lost Tyreek Hill. Okay, let's dissect just what you said. If, if you, I'm not pulling you off point. The Eagles are – they lost to the Eagles. They have a winning record. They lost to the Bills when they had a winning record. Who else have they yes. lost to? The Chiefs. Cardinals, who have a no, we're talking about the Dolphins. Oh, my bad. The Chiefs. The Chiefs, right. And the Titans. Titans. So they okay. have that one bad loss. But then you look at the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They have that bad loss against the Cardinals in right. the early of the season. But then their other losses are the San Francisco 49ers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Buffalo Bills. Three Can, playoff teams. Yeah. So, so the idea to say the only teams that they have played <coughs> over 500, right? Mm, right. Are great teams. Right. And then that one game, like you look at any of the good teams in the league right now, you have the Eagles who just lost to the Seahawks. You could say it's a bad loss for them because of where they were a few weeks ago. The Cowboys lost to the Cardinals. The 49ers lost to the Browns with P.J. Walker. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins lost to the Titans. Everyone has a bad loss. Sure. But then you look at the teams that they lost to. The 49ers, best team in football right now, best record, right. right? Philadelphia Eagles, a top three team, top five team. People slowly push them down, but they're still within that top five, uh, just despite the losses the last few weeks. Then the Buffalo Bills, who people would inarguably have as a top five team, probably at the head of the AFC East going into the year. They're finally catching their stride again. So I think it's unfair to say that these teams are playing against over 500 teams and losing as if these aren't top teams in the NFL. It's a stupid stat because 19 teams currently are 500 or below. And those teams are teams like the Bucks, the Saints, the Rams, the Seahawks, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Vikings, the Packers, the Giants, the Jets, Steelers. Right, right. I, They're I not get awful teams. You said it's a cherry-picked stat. It's just it a way a for stat. people to get people excited. The Saints yes. and the Bucks can beat anybody any week. The, it's, right. The stat, they're not awful the teams. The stat is being used as if they're going and playing against Nobody's. like a Bengals team with Jake Browning and losing. They're trying to say you're only good because you're playing bad teams. When you play good teams, you lose. Yes. Yeah. And that's not the case. And they've I, lost to three top three teams in the league. Yeah. yeah. I, top I just five. To, to, the, to the stretch that the Eagles have had now, which they were considered the best team. They only had one loss a few weeks ago. Now they're on a three-game losing streak. That argument couldn't be used against the Eagles now because of the stretch that they're on versus just on the Cowboys and the Dolphins. I just think it's not arguable for any of those teams because the teams that they're losing to are top teams in the league. It's not just some random 500 or above team. Jerry Jones said this about the Buffalo Bills. He said, they're a dangerous team at any given time. They can be as good as anybody in the NFL. In my mind, they've got players. They've got the quarterback. They're just a good team. It's the same thing as the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not a top-five team right now, but if you're playing against the Chiefs, you very much so understand that they can play as good as anybody. So it shouldn't be discounted within that matchup. And Caleb, to your point, like the Bengals are barely 500. They're not a bad football team. The who? The Bengals. Bengals. Okay. Yeah, and they're not a bad football team. Or the Jaguars, the Colts, the Texans, they're all barely above, a couple games above 500. At some point this year, they were 500. They're not bad football teams. See, the, yeah, the Jags, it's Colts, misleading. Texans, Bucks, Saints are all one game away from being below. Or it's it's right. misleading saying as if they're they're just good enough to beat the bad teams and they're not good enough to handle the good 60% teams. 60% of the teams are at or below 500. It's right. not fair yes. to say. Right, so when you look at a team like the Chargers or the Raiders or the Cardinals that are all below 500, you said it best in our text with each other. 
these teams can all beat each other. There's a very fine line between great. The Rams and, good. and Seahawks right now can beat anybody. They just beat the Eagles. Yeah, right. So in other words, they're cherry picking. They're cherry picking stats to get people excited. We always know that you can you can pull a stat out of you know the air to make your point for just about anything. Yeah, and I mean you just said the Chargers. Looking at the the wins that they have, they've had Justin Herbert every game except for these last basically last two games, right? Right. Their only win, their only win over five hundred would be the Minnesota Vikings. And it's the only team they've beaten over five hundred. So you could that would make sense to say that the Chargers are playing down because they've only beaten one five hundred plus team. Right. Whereas you can't really use that for a team that's played top three teams and lost to them. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Whereas the Cowboys have also beaten top three teams well where they just blew out the Eagles. How many wins do the Cardinals have right now? The Cardinals are currently sitting at three and eleven. Who have they beat? They beat Dallas. They beat Dallas. They beat the Steelers uh, two weeks ago. And then who's the other team? But here's my point. You could say, well, the, the Cardinals only have won against the teams Falcons, with winning records. The Falcons, they would never say that because it doesn't follow the agenda. Yeah. What yes. they're trying to say is, I can I can yeah, see I, through the I crap, just, that these teams aren't good enough to beat good teams. And that's not true. Everyone in the league <laughs> outside the Panthers and the Cardinals are competitive. Because let's be fair. We've said this. This is the way the like NFL is. Like right now, alive. Right now, the way the NFL is going the only teams that have a chance of winning the Super Bowl, in my mind, are sitting atop their division or second their division right now. Meaning, Dallas and the Eagles, it's a push, guys. They're the same football team, except one has momentum right now, a little. The Dolphins and Bills. The Ravens, I'm not going to put the Browns in that. Yeah, I would. The Lions. Jacksonville. The Bucks. Actually, I mean, the Chiefs, the 49ers. Nobody else right now is going to win the Super Bowl. In fact, it's I'll be hard-pressed to think the 49ers can lose the Super Bowl. I think Bowl the Rams, the we could talk about it later, but I think the Rams have a great shot. At coming back. At, at, seven, at winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, I digress. Let me get through these scores. But every, I don't, I don't want to curse them because every time I, yeah, talk no. about, I talk about the Steelers injury, I talk about, who did I talk about last week? The Giants, Tommy DeVito injury. Yeah, I mean, just to summarize what we were just talking about with you know losing to good teams, I think... That's just a bad measurement, anyways, because yeah, you got to take care of what you can when you play against the bad teams. Which, in that case, the Dolphins, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Eagles have all only had one bad loss, according to who they played. And every other under 500 team they've beaten. So yeah. I don't understand how you can argue it for each team when they've all done the same thing. And I want to apologize. I said the Eagles would lose six. That's mathematically impossible. Now they'll lose five. Okay. <laughs> you did call that. Here's something we were wrong about. The Jets dropped it big time against the Saints. They lose six to twenty-four. Uh, Giants, DeVito, you mean? Devito wasn't uh, good enough to get it. I'm sorry, the Giants weren't good enough to beat the Saints this week. Devito just couldn't get it done. He left with 30. a concussion. Was it a concussion? He, he did get yeah. concussed in the game, but his, Derek Carr looks like he's concussed for what it's worth. <laughs> he did Derek have two hundred eighteen yards. Derek Carr is concussed. Yeah, he just looks concussed. Um, but I, th- <laughs> I mean, Tommy Devito. Despite this, we understand that he's barely played. Right. right, but he was—he has had no turnovers. He had 200 passing yards. He led this team in rushing this game. I know Saquon didn't have a good game—14 or 14 yards on nine carries. Devito had 40 yards. Um, he's been—he's been able to manage. It's just the Saints had their best offensive game. Another score that uh, was fun to watch, but because it went back and forth, and actually there was a touchdown pulled off the board that would have made uh, it tied. The Washington Commanders go to L.A. and give the Rams everything they can handle, but Rams win 28-20. Terry McLaurin, if you have him in fantasy, you're well aware that he finally, maybe you're not in the playoffs and it's too late for you, but he finally had his wide receiver one week. He had six catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. 
and I mean that that still wasn't enough to beat this Rams team, no. who's just been. Matthew Stafford's been going crazy. Kyron Williams had 152 on the ground as well. Just, I mean, the Rams look poised for a a good run to the playoffs. Uh, the Colts continue to roll with their 30-13 to win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh on their backup quarterback, now moving to their third-string quarterback, Mason yep. Rudolph. And it could week. be Kenny Pickett back as well. He's it practicing. Be. It's, cl- yeah. it's, it's going to be a close call for them. I say go with Mason Rudolph. The kid, of all the guys you got, he could probably zing it better than anybody, and he's got a little chip on his shoulder. None of them should be your starter next yeah. year. but No, but I think I, Kenny Pickett, I think in his own right, probably wants to – I mean, obviously, he's the leader of this team as the quarterback. He he's probably trying to rush himself back because in that one game without Matt Canada, their offense was so good, and so we don't know if they don't have or they're going to have a great offense. Not a great offense, but they're going right. to be a better on offense with him if he does happen to just rush himself back because it's not something completely unbearable. The injury that he has. Uh, and one last game before we talk about Dallas and Philly games. Um, Cardinals, no. Su- I'm sorry, Cardinals. Chargers, no surprise that this is the game that cost their. Head coach is his job, but uh, the Raiders came out and dumped on them in the first half. Absolutely destroyed uh, them in the first half, and they end up with a 63-21 to 21, um, win. I haven't seen a game. Was this some kind of record dropping 42 in the first half? I believe so. I mean, that, that's a little ridiculous. Well, and the, more specifically, they kept talking about how it's the most from a team that put up only three points the week prior, which that's kind of cherry-picked, of course, but mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I'm not sure many teams put up 42 in the first half, regardless. I mean, you got to give credit to old Easton Stick. Yes. And that is the uh, mm-hmm. proverbial yuppiest name I've ever heard in my life, Easton Stick. Yeah. Uh, 23 of 32, 257, three touchdowns and a pick. That's not really the tale, because in the first part of the game, they did absolutely nothing. Well, to be fair, yeah. two of those <clears throat> touchdowns were gimmies. They were gimmies. Because we're up 50, yeah. you can go ahead and score. Well, right. It, it's it, all trash time. It all yes. happened in third and fourth it quarter. Was, but it was. But it was his first start in the league. He's been sitting behind... These uh, Chargers quarterbacks for a few years. I, I don't know if he was there with Philip Rivers for a year or so, but he's been behind Herbert all this time uh, since I don't know. He's he was the quarterback before Trey Lance and DSU, so he's been in the league a little bit before Trey Lance. But his first start, three hundred, almost three hundred yards, three touchdowns. I mean, this game really got away from him because of all the the fumbles. They essentially got the ball and immediately fumbled on their side of the field three different times, and then obviously there was that one-handed interception right after that. So the game got out of hand very quickly. Uh, not necessarily, you know, his his problem, his fault, but uh, obviously the running game is just not what it is. And then obviously the headline of this game and the story is Brandon Staley being gone now. Last two games we want to talk about before we move forward uh, into next week is, of course, Dallas went to Buffalo. Uh, interesting to me, Cable, a couple things. Uh, Josh Allen was player of the game, and, you know, they gave him the game ball in the locker room. Uh, a guy who had uh, 7 of 15, 94 yards, one touch, and was very pedestrian in this game, to be fair. You have a running back on 25 carries, had 179 yards and a touchdown. Um, shouldn't Jared Cook have gotten that game ball? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm calling him Jared Cook. James Cook. Shouldn't James <laughs> Cook? I know. I'm reading something. and James Cook should have got that game um, ball. 179 rush yards. I think, but. He put them in position to score almost every time they went down well, the Well, one of the scores was, I, I don't know what happened. I got to rewatch it. I think there might have been a what people thought was a whistleblown. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. But he basically runs up the middle of the field and no one touches him. Right. So I don't I don't know. I gotta rewatch it. I just watched the highlights of that game. Um but James Cook, you would think he hit the game ball literally carrying their team, but I don't know if we should read into that or what that is. But. Well despite again, the media blows everything out of proportion. You know, they made it sound like if you watch the highlights with, with Josh Allen getting the game ball, uh 
he had a very pedestrian 7 of 15, 94 yards, one touchdown. Dak took a lot of heat, even though he was 21 of 34, 134, one interception. Not a great game, um, but in, in, in fairness, both teams were pressuring the quarterback a lot. Well, there's some drama around the Cowboys and Bills right now. I heard, but tell our listeners what that drama might be. Oh, a majority, not majority, but a handful, probably five to ten. It's, un- it's unconfirmed, but for sure, Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks were dealing with food poisoning, stomach right. bugs, something at a restaurant, and it happened to multiple players on the team yeah. at the same time, and they all ate the same food. So, yeah, I was telling Josh that that same story. It's unconfirmed, but the rumor is that. Uh, a lot of the Cowboys team went out together for pizza in New York uh, the night before the game, and their pizza was mysteriously delayed. And then five random guys, as the story goes, that they don't think even worked there, delivered their food to them. And it was odd, but they're not odd enough for them to stop. And then mysteriously, a handful of these guys all had food poisoning after. So a lot of the team was playing sick for whatever the reason is. But uh, that's just hearsay for sure. It's just weird. It is weird. Uh, but let's let's talk about the reality. Both quarterbacks were quite pedestrian, so I don't. I don't. Again, the media makes Josh Allen sound like well, he won this one for the boys. Only thing this does very pedestrian is show Dallas's need for an interior linebacker. Yeah, Van Der Esch's vacancy is definitely being seen. They can't stop the run in the middle of the field. That was their problem with Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch because for some reason they can't cover the middle of the field. But it's on display even more now. But here's my point about the media again. No one's talking about how the Dallas Cowboys haven't fielded a healthy defense the entire year. Not one time. Diggs is out. Van Rush is out. There's a lot of players on our defense and that are And for clarity, out. I know Jalen Smith's not on the team. I'm saying years past, it's right, right. always been the problem. But if you told me you're you know, one of your best linebackers and, and literally the defensive player of the year a year ago, Diggs, being out of the game for the rest of the year, that should stifle your defense. Yet no one talks about it. Like, well, Dallas is still shorthanded. They are. Every game we've lost more and more players on our defense. Yeah, and they I mean they've made great value through the draft sure. and through they got Marquis Bell in free agency I believe in the draft. He's he's great value, he's a great rotational player, but he shouldn't be your every down linebacker. Uh, I, I believe he's wearing a single like he's wearing like 14 or 19, I don't recall what number he's wearing, but it doesn't look like a natural linebacker number out there. And then you have Damone Clark who got uh, cheap in the draft the year before because of the back injury that he had. Mm-hmm. He's playing well, he should be one of your starters, but the problem is, is just there's not enough support to be able to stop a team that has a healthy running game like these guys had this game. As you said, Josh Allen under 100 yards. He threw a 20-yard pass and a 24-yard pass, making up for almost half of his yards, of course. Um, and so just obviously no efficiency uh, – or sorry, not no efficiency, but no production there for the passing game. Right. And uh, it's just – I don't know. I, the Bills finally catching stride with a different offensive coordinator. They had 10 more times time, – 10 more minutes of possession on the Cowboys <laughs> – and the Cowboys equally just can't get a ton on the ground. No scores really in the red zone. They're really relying on Dak in the red zone to get things done. And so when there's when the Cowboys aren't hitting on all strides on offense in the passing game, the scoring is also not going to be there because the rushing touchdowns are not coming from the backfield. Yeah, maybe, I don't know if this is old school or new school. You can tell me. But um, I think you should never put that much weight in a running back because obviously last year Pollard was one of the best in the league, and now he's the, the lead guy. He's not doing yeah, yeah. He's literally not doing anything for most games. Um, Dallas needs a committee. I think most teams need a committee, but it's 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 all on deck right now. It's not fair for the offense, right. and Pollard just needs to step it up. Well, there's a lot of things people say. Like when a quarterback is pressured, every quarterback pressured generally plays worse than if they have an open pocket to step up in. Um, I'll say this. Here's what here's what I witnessed. The Bills got up early. 
uh, and they stayed up, and they never gave Dallas a chance. Kudos to the Bills. Great job. This is the Buffalo Bills team that the, the media has been hyping up for the last four or five years. This is the team that can show up and beat anybody on any given Sunday, even though they don't have a great running game. And also lose to anybody. Right. Well, this is the day that they swung to the other side. So this is the team that the media has been anointing for a long time. And kudos. They came out. And, now, here's what doesn't need to happen. Dallas, you had some players not perform well. Dallas, you have three defensive players on injured reserve and a few more out of the game, like Hooker and so on. You're missing a lot of defensive players. But everyone's talking about Dallas is peaking and they're healthy. They're not. They're going to get healthier in the next few weeks. Dallas, just shake it off. They got on you early. Dak, you can't be expected to do everything all the time. You just can't. And this game was both quarterbacks were feeble. I think the Bills did a horrible injustice to Cook by not feeding him the ball close to the goal line because old school is you earned it, you score it. You know, Murray but had a touchdown. But they know he's not that type of runner. Yeah, I know. But he had a fantastic game. He gets my game ball because he was running all over us. I mean, anytime we thought we had him bottled up, he got a first down. So kudos to him. Bills, great win. Dallas, don't, you know, don't lick your wounds too too poorly. It's You're going to be fine. This is a quality Super Bowl contender you lost to in their home field. Don't sweat it. The other game, and I think we've talked about this a little bit because, Caleb, you've predicted the Eagles are going to slide out. Philadelphia goes to Seattle. Uh Jalen Hurts is hurt. Let me set the stage here. Uh, the rest of their team is healthy, but man, it looks like they didn't get off the plane in Seattle. Very, I used the word pedestrian earlier. This team looked very pedestrian. A few big plays sprinkled in and out. Um, but Caleb, I'll let you talk. You predicted it. Philly is now on a three-game losing streak. Granted, it's been the 49ers and the Cowboys and now the Seahawks, but the Seahawks? It's a 500 team. Yeah. They can use that stat. It's the same exact. I know. know. Same stat that Dallas has, and they're not using it for the Eagles. Right, right. It's fine. That's Um, what I was saying is all these top teams equally have the same. One bad loss. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why. That is a 500 team. Seattle's a contender still. I don't understand it. Like I said, when I grew up watching football, analysts reported the news. Hey, this guy did this, and that guy did that. Now they tell us how they feel. Well, we feel like Dak Prescott. I don't care how you feel. Here's the reality of, of the day. Dak Prescott and Josh Allen are elite quarterbacks in the NFL, period. They have good days and bad days. They play on good football teams that could either one win the Super Bowl. I put the Eagles right in there with them. Yeah, and with the Eagles, they've had this losing uh, stretch with the three games of the Niners, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks, as you said. But I think you look at even before their bye week, you had that Washington game, which was too close to call. It came down to the final score. And, I mean, Jahan Dotson put them into overtime, I believe. Then they had that Dallas game where the Cowboys very much so should have won that game. They just were sloppy in the red zone like they have been periodically. And uh, that's why the Eagles won that game. But then the Chiefs, that was within one score. The Buffalo Bills, the Bills lost that game very much so. This could could be a five- to six-game losing streak we're talking about. So what you're saying is if Washington finished that game strong, that's a loss. If Dallas Dak didn't step out of bounds, it might be a loss. They, I'm saying Chiefs, Bills, that's four games that could have been outside, lost. Outside of that Washington game, the Eagles have not gone out and won those games. Those teams they played against, I mean, they've been a terrible defense as well. That they just they've happened to have won those games, won right. those games, and that's what and matters. I hate, I hate to say that you happen to have win games like that, right? But the teams that they played against in those games. Just couldn't close them out. There's a difference with what Buffalo and, and the Lions, you know, and, and you know they and the 49ers did this week. They went out and got on top of these guys, like the Raiders did, Dolphins did, Bucks did. They get out and get on top of it, and they never look back. And the Eagles don't do that. Yeah, and I hate to say I, this feels very much so like 
the Steelers a handful of years ago where Big Ben, the Steelers were 13-3. and They shouldn't have been 13-3. and But he was managing. They had explosive offensive playmakers, and their defense would periodically keep them in in the games. And so despite it not being a great defense, just like the Eagles aren't a great defense, they're just they're getting by. And they, they yeah. very much show, I mean, what we've seen the last six weeks is they should not be this top team in the NFL. No. The, the Eagles have proven that they are a, a football team that is Super Bowl caliber because they went last year and the team is mostly the same. My challenge is I really like Jalen Hurts. I love that he showed up in this game, and he was clearly sick. You look at his eyes the moment he walked on the field. He was – you can tell. I mean, it's like Jordan in the finals. You could tell or in the playoffs. He's toast. Um, listen, I love Jalen Hurts. I think he's fantastic. What he did after the game shocked me because you don't hear about this a lot at this level. You know, I've done it as a, as a younger player and gotten my bell rung over by by a player on my team, and I shouldn't have done it. But the player on my team – rallied behind that and our team did better and I, I didn't plan it i just was running my mouth and got popped he did virtually the same thing he said in his press conference post game that he doesn't feel like the players around him are here to play now there's two things you're doing when you're doing that you're either fed up and you're just venting or you're trying to get your teammates to to step up now hopefully the team will respond to that and rally behind their sick quarterback who went out and gave it all when he should have been home in bed. But they could also turn against him because now he it's it's him versus them. You know what I mean? And I hope that doesn't happen because Jalen is their leader. I We have to see Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, the passer, right. play football because it's right. uh, the last month, in the month of December, he has one passing touchdown. Right. 30% of his production on the year, if you're just looking at his – I would I'd go by fantasy points because it's just total – one third of his points come from the one yard line tush push touchdown. Uh, on Good Morning Football, they showed the highlights, the touchdowns the Eagles have had in the month of December. I think there's two that were not rushing touchdowns on the one yard line, and there were two yard passing touchdowns. Like they're not explosive like they were. They have AJ Brown, they have Devontae Smith, they just got Dallas Goddard back. Obviously, they're just not the same offense that they were last year. They lost Shane Steichen. Obviously, you see the success of the the Colts right now. Even with having Gardner Minshew, they're a better points per game offense than the Eagles right now, and um, it's just it's been a poor outing. He has 12 interceptions. His interceptions lost them the game against the Seahawks. He got sacked zero times against the Seahawks. 50% completion, two interceptions, zero touchdowns. It's just he's not playing great quarterback. So what I'm hearing is he's had about 638 passing yards, no passing touchdowns, two interceptions in his last three games. He's only had a 71 passer rating. Here's the funniest thing. The Eagles haven't scored 20 points in these games, and he only scores when a 250-plus-pound man pushes his tail into the end zone, which that play is yes. going to be probably outlawed and, next I mean, year. And last year, and we, they do it well, last year we saw they got A.J. Brown. He had explosive plays. I mean, arguably, his, his best game of his life was in the Super Bowl, and they lost that game. So he, he ended the season very high. It's just this year, I mean, it's mostly November, December, has just not been – any passing production outside of that Buffalo Bills game where he had three touchdowns, as I said, in the red zone, two-yard passing touchdowns. It's it just the completion percentage is not there. The yardage totals is not there. He's turning over the ball a lot. You have to get an improvement from him before he can complain some complain about someone else. I think, the, go ahead. Sorry, I think that the play calling is too conservative, too yeah, scared. Very much. They're playing very scared. I think you have Devontae Smith, first-round receiver. You have A.J. Brown. Potential. Amazing. If Traded he doesn't get injured, keeps going, Hall of Fame talent, yep. potentially. Yeah. 
you have all these guys. DeAndre Swift, one of the most efficient running backs in the yes. league currently. Dallas Goddard. You've upgraded your running Dallas game. Goddard, a top five tight end in yes. every metric. You have a top five O-line in every metric. Great defensive line. Ballers in the backfield on defense. Yeah, they're okay. Slate's but pretty doggone good. I'm saying offensively, they're a top team on paper. Like a top yeah. three team on paper. They're a Super Bowl caliber team. And they're scoring less than 20 points a game. Right. It, they're playing too scared. Who's calling their plays? Is it Sirianni? I think so. But here's how the they media need to get works. That up. Dak's MVP. He has a bad game against Buffalo, which for the record, Josh Allen had a worse game. And now Dak sucks. He can't do it. Jalen's been trashed for three weeks. And, and listen, I love both these guys. I really do. And nobody's saying anything. The truth is, don't call out your teammates, bro. Just ride this bus and lead your team. It's not helpful to call out your yeah, teammates. Sorry. The, the OC for the Eagles is Brian Johnson, but I know I said Sirianni's <laughs> calling plays because I think that's what they're trying to right. get to. Because, I mean, if, you, if you're on the internet, everyone every time the Eagles have a bad play, they're just crying about Brian Johnson because it's not obviously not as good as it was last year with um, Steichen. Well, yeah, Steichen, he's the one who made the tush push. He's, he's the reason they were amazing last year. Yeah. I, they just have no excuse. You have a guy who's been – they played against the Cowboys and the Seahawks who heavily just run at the quarterback, and they've, they've only, he's only been sacked once the past two games, and he's not playing good because, or despite that. And then you have the offensive line who's completely healthy at the moment outside of right guard, which was already a rookie. It's just you can't have this good of an offensive line, this good of weapons, yeah, and not, not just getting touched way. and just I – mean, they're, not having any efficiency. They're ten and four for Pete's sake. So I mean, that's but why something. they're playing like they're eight and eight and need to win really bad. I know, I know. Just and, go and, out there and, and do and it. And that's why Jalen called out his teammates. And I get that because I don't listen. I've said this for two years, and I'm not listen. I know people. I'm a Cowboys fan. I, I have my critics. Believe me. Um, I like the Eagles. I, I mean, I think their coach is a chotch, but I think he's a great. <laughs> I think he's a great coach. I'm yes. not going to discount. He's a fine coach. Yeah, but I think he's a jerk. Okay, I think he's I'll, fine. I don't and think I don't say he that. hasn't even been great. No, no. But I, what I'm trying to say is I don't. I don't like the coach as a pro. I think he's a jerk. But I like as a coach, I respect. But him. if you regress after your coordinator leaves, then well, for the record, he's the one who came up with the idea of the tush push. There's a whole story about that. But at, at any rate, I like the coach as a coach. I love Jalen Hurts. I love Brown and Smith. Like you, I agree. Their their running backs are awesome. I like the people on this football team. It's hard for me to say that out loud, being a Cowboys fan, and they are a Super Bowl caliber team. That's ten and four. They, I don't know what's wrong. I've said for two years I don't know who they are because they don't show up in games they should blow out, and then they, they – they, I don't know. I just don't know who they are. Yeah, and I I mean, you look at the Seattle game. They had no Darius Slay. You're playing against three wide receiver ones from Seattle, yeah. Metcalf, Lockett, and Njigba. And then you have, as I said, no Darius Slay, and look at how their secondary is getting exposed. Yeah, well – it's been a roller coaster of a week for the standings because teams are shifting around a bit. Uh, instead of doing a playoff picture, I just want to paint for you guys real quickly uh, who was winning in each division because these things are starting to heat up a bit. And, and here's what I mean. The Dolphins are two games with two games remaining ahead of the Buffalo Bills at 10-4, and four, currently winning their division. The Ravens are two games ahead of the Browns at 11-3, and three, currently winning their division. But with two games left, who knows? Jacksonville Colts and Texans in that order are currently division leaders, but they're all eight and six. So they're all virtually a game away from shuffling a three-way tie into something different. Uh, the chiefs who were winning outright in their division at nine and five only have a two game lead against the now seven and seven Broncos at nine and five. So that division, I'm not saying that the Broncos are, I'm just saying everything's starting to tighten down. There's no chance in the NFC West that anyone catches uh, the 49ers. It's mathematically impossible. However, there are two teams, the Rams and Seahawks, at 500 at 7-7, seven seven, still fighting for playoffs. 
in the worst division in football, the NFC South. Baker's making a case at 7-7, seven seven, but so is Derek Carr at 7-7. Seven seven. So this one is wide open with the Falcons one behind him. Another division that is clearly locked up, NFC North, the Lions are 10-4. and four. Vikings are still 500 at 7-7, seven seven, despite playing their third quarterback. And the Cowboys and Eagles are, are definitely going to one of them win the division. Currently, by default, Dallas is winning their division at 10-4. and four. So lots and lots to be decided in these last two weeks of football. So let's digress. Let's look at our top fantasy guys. We're going to stop talking about fantasy this week because most of you guys are just now getting in the playoffs. You don't need us anymore. Get out there and kick some tail and win some money, guys. But our top fantasy quarterbacks this week, no surprise on who's at the top of this leaderboard, Caleb. Yep, it's Jared Goff. He's been here multiple times this year in the top five. He had 278 yards, five touchdowns, which is an amazing day for you if you had him. Congratulations. You won your first round of playoffs if you had him. Next is Baker Mayfield. <laughs> 381 yards, four touchdowns, 29 points. Aiden O'Connell with the blowout, the mustache, 248, <laughs> four touchdowns in the first half. He didn't do anything in the second half because they didn't need to. Um, Brock Purdy, 242 yards, four total touchdowns on 16 passes. Hall, it's a, not a Hall of Fame, but a MVP candidate right there. And next is Jalen Hurts because of those rushing upsides. He had 143 passing yards, two picks, 82 rushing yards, and two tush pushes. Two touch pushes. No surprise who the running back leader is this week, Josh. Week week 15 fantasy running backs. Christian McCaffrey, he had 41.7 fantasy points. Um, 115 on the ground, 72 through the air, three total touchdowns. James Cook, uh, 30 touches, 180. Or Jared Cook, if you're on <laughs> pain meds like me and trying to say someone's name. Hey, Jared used to play. Yeah, he did. 800 rushing, or 180 rushing yards, sorry. 400 or <laughs> 42 receiving yards, two total touchdowns. He had 36 points. Jameer Gibbs, 100 on the ground and two touchdowns total. Ty Chandler, 132 rushing yards, 25 through the air and a touchdown. He had 25 points as well as Gibbs. And then Kyron Williams, 152 on, I think, 27 rushes. And then he had a score. So 24 and a half for him. A couple fumbles as well. All right, Caleb, top wide receivers. Yep, if you had him, you probably benched him because Nick Mullins, and you probably hate yourself for it. Um, six catches, 11, 111 yards, two touchdowns for Jordan Addison. So don't bench him again. He has good chemistry with Mullins. Mullins going to throw to him, and I benched him. So uh, next is Jalen Waddle. He stepped up for Tariq Hill, who was out. Eight catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown. Next is Terry McLaurin, finally. Finally. You definitely benched him because you have been the past month. Uh, Terry <laughs> McLaurin, six catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Godwin breaking out for PPR, 10 catches. Woo, 10 catches, 155 yards. It's a great game. And next is Cooper Cup, eight catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown. It's two 111 yards on this list. Uh, Cooper Cup, most of his yards on a free play, busted coverage, wide open down the sideline, 50-yard touchdown, 25 points for Cooper Cup. And let's talk about tight ends and wrap it up. Yep, it's tight end one, Sam Laporta. The man. Five catches, 56 yards, three touchdowns. He had 29 fantasy points. David Njoku, he's been on this list for the past month. Since Flacco. Ten catches, 104 yards, and a touchdown. He's been arguably the best in the game for the past month. 26 and a half fantasy points for him. Trey McBride, ten catches, 102 yards, 20 fantasy points. He's been up here with Kyler Murray the past few weeks. Hunter Henry. Big man, scores again, seven catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. He had 20 points. Isaiah Likely as well, 70 yards and a touchdown for him. Yeah, I tell you guys, it's a uh, a lot of good tight end play coming from some unlikely candidates. but um, Or some likely candidates. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, uh, but a lot of this list, yeah, I see you, yeah, Isaiah yeah. Likely. Um, 
Laporta is a pleasant surprise, and Joku is re, you know, resurging. Hunter Henry used to say that name a lot. But McBride and Likely and some of the other guys these past few weeks have been crazy. Got so a young wave of tight ends coming in. Oh, got a yeah. young one. Not to mention Big Ferg in Dallas, man. Mm-hmm. That dude has uh, got a little chip on his shoulder. We like that. We're going to do a segment where we dive a little deeper into this week's stat leaders and look at the year-end stats so far. Josh, let's dive inside the stats. Yep. Of course, starting off with the offense, your offensive passing yard leaders, Tua. 3,921, Brock Purdy, 3,795, Jared Goff, 3,727, Pat Mahomes, 3,703, Dak Prescott, 3,639, all very close, including the guys under the top five, but Tua separating there above, I think, just over 200 yards between those guys, but I want to talk about some additional passing stats, quarterback stats, because obviously MVP race is coming to oh a close. Boy. Oh, boy. Um, their voting is coming to a close, but we'll know later. But you have, obviously, the passing yard leaders, but you have your passing touchdown leaders, Brock Purdy with 29, Dak Prescott with 28, Jared Goff, Josh Allen with 26, Pat Mahomes, Jordan Love, and Tua with 25. Your completion percentage leaders through the NFL so far. Tua with 71, Brock Purdy 69.8, Kirk Cousins, rest in peace, with 69.5 as well, <laughs> Dak Prescott and Derek Carr behind them with 68. Most efficient quarterbacks in the league right now, Brock Purdy, Tua, C.J. Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott. The common trend here is Tua, Purdy, and Prescott. Those are probably the top three guys for your MVP race right now, but they're all in the top five for basically every single stat, so we'll see how that uh, ends for them in the MVP race, but of course, all those guys in the top five for most stats. But your rushing leader, Christian McCaffrey, only guy over a thousand still, 1,292. James Cook, he had his 100 plus yard game, he has 968. Raheem Mostert, 966. Kyron Williams, 953. DeAndre Swift, 896. Mm. There hasn't been a ton of consistent rushing from guys in the NFL this year, but these guys all had massive, massive games at some point in some stretch of this season, so congratulations to them. They're all likely to hit 1,000. But your receiving yard leader didn't play this week. Tyreek Hill, 1,542. A.J. Brown, 1,314. C.D. Lamb, 1,306. Keenan Allen might not play again this year, uh, but 1,243. And Amonra St. Brown with 1,175. Mm. Your defensive leaders, same guys leading the league in tackles. But Zaire Franklin has 149 tackles. Foye Aluakon, 148. Bobby Wagner, 143. Roquan Smith with 142. And then Alex Singleton, the new guy, with 141. Your sack leaders, TJ Watt with 16. Daniil Hunter with 15.5. Khalil Mack with 15. Hendrickson with 15. And I want to read a couple more names just because it's so close. Mm-hmm. But Josh Allen, he is right there with 13.5. You have Max Crosby. You have Miles Garrett. And you have Montez Sweat all there with the same amount of sacks, 13 and a half. Um, and then, of course, your interception leader, Deron Bland with eight, Geno Stone with six, Jesse Bates with five, Steven Nelson, Fred Warner, and a handful of other guys all have four. Um, we just talked about tight ends. We just talked about Sam Laporta. He's the third rookie tight end in the history of the league mm-hmm. to have 700 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. As a rookie, season's still not over, but the names that also hit this mark in the rookie year, Mike Ditka, arguably... The best yep, rookie season yep. of all time, especially with the lack of games that he had. Very efficient. And then John Mackey in 1963. He is the award winner for college football. If you're the best tight end in college football, you're getting the John Mackey Award. So obviously a great conversation there with those two legends at the position. Um, and I think that's all I got for now. 
Well, great job as always. We're going to be wrapping this up here uh, with uh, anointing some sack leaders and, and the whole nine yards here in a couple weeks. Great job. All right. Well, let's talk about locks and upsets. And uh, so with our fantasy season kind of ending, no educated guesses for you guys this week. But uh, let's fire these cannons. I was uh, batting zero last week. I said the Cowboys were a lock and that the Eagles and yeah, I was terrible, y'all. It was uh-huh. um, or Dallas was an upset or whatever I said. It was it was trash. I don't want to remember. It's all good. And I'm still medicated, so there's that. So my brain's a little foggy. But this week, I will redeem myself 100%. Um, I think. <laughs> I think. Put a lot of weight on that 100%. All right, 100%. Uh, I'm going to lock in Denver uh, holding on at home and beating New England. That's a safe bet. It's a lock. I'm locking it in. That, that does feel pretty good. A lock. Something you should have been thinking about all week. I know. I know. <laughs> we talk about this before we hit record, remember? I'm going to lock in the Colts over the Falcons. It's a two-point line, less than two-point line right now. The Colts are too good. Gardner Minshew is too good. Atlanta's back to Heineke. They're taking a step back, Gosh. backtracking. It's not good in Atlanta. No. You let B. John Robinson have, I think, 20 yards of offense last week. Not good. The Colts are going to eat them alive, in my opinion. So I'm locking in the Colts. Yep, and for me, I want to take the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Buccaneers. Uh, actually, I think the Bucks are favored, but I'm going to go with the Jaguars regardless. Uh, I just believe Trevor Lawrence. They've had they've been an unfortunate, not lucky. Uh, they haven't had good uh, play design or time of possession or whatever. Not they haven't done anything well in the red zone, and I think they're going to get that squared. I think Travis Etienne is going to be a factor in the red zone, and uh, I think Trevor Lawrence getting healthier. I think it's going to be better matchup for them against the Buccaneers. I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to do what he did last week, obviously, and how efficient he was. So I think he's going to come back to earth a little bit. Yeah. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to play better than he has, and uh, that's why I'm picking the Jags. Yeah, Jags are current. That's a good lock. They're currently barely favored to beat Tampa Bay. but Yeah, they have their 10th in the in the NFL. They're the 10th best offense right now. Buccaneers are 20th. Uh, I just I believe in this offense. They have way more time possession. They have more interceptions. Josh Allen is a way better edge rusher yeah. than those on the Buccaneers. They just the a lot Allen. of things favored him. Guys, I'm going a little bonkers here, uh, and again, I'm blaming the Mads. Maybe I bumped my head earlier. Um, my upset of the week. It's dangerous, y'all. It's uh, it's Baltimore beating San Fran. San Fran's a juggernaut. Well, that's not dangerous. No, no, that's San- your Super Bowl matchup. Well, if you believe in the <laughs> color test, in the color schemes, it could be. Um, San Fran's awfully good. But they're beatable. They have to be, you know. And Baltimore's also like uh, one of those teams that everybody's slept on, like, ah, Baltimore. But Baltimore's a good football team. They're well coached. Great situational team. The defense is pretty scary for a young quarterback. Yeah. So I'm I'm believing, and, and here's the other part of it. Some of it is just me wanting the 49ers to lose. I like 49ers just fine. I need a loss out of these guys, bro. I need to make this to the Super Bowl run. I think the gods of football will shine a light on Baltimore this week, and they get the upset. All right, I'm swinging at the fences. My upset's the Giants over the Eagles. <laughs> it's just because you said the Eagles will have a five-game skid at the end of the year. I said six. Six. They can only have five. Okay. This will be game four. But the Giants had an awful okay. game last week. Yep. They lost to Vito. Majority of the game to mm-hmm. concussion. Is he back? Is he cleared? He should be playing. They say he's the quarterback going forward. So if the Eagles show up like they did against the Seattle Seahawks, Giants are winning the game. Josh? I'm picking the Steelers over the Bengals. Uh, this doesn't feel good. You look at the season-long <laughs> stats. I mean, you, you compare Browning to Pickett. Uh, Pickett has double the pass attempts, right? He has 324 
Browning has 144. So even more than double. But Kenny Pickett has one less passing touchdown, one more interception. So obviously you're hoping that Kenny Pickett or I mean even Mason Rudolph can play very well. But you look at the team, the Steelers have been on a terrible stretch, right? And I think that what they're going to do is they're going to heavily pressure the rookie, or not the rookie, but the first year starting backup quarterback for Jake Browning. And then you look at the, how they're sustaining on offense for the Bengals. No Jamar Chase. They're relying a lot on the tight ends. They're relying on the run game as of recently, but they're 31st in rushing yards per game. Joe Mixon's not doing a ton this year. Uh, and then they just lost Chase Brown, more than likely, who's been their efficient number two back. I, I just don't see how the, the Steelers are not going to be able to bounce back against the Bengals, a backup quarterback. They've traditionally played well against J- Joe Burrow when he started. So I think this is a lot of the favors – the Steelers, if they can just not turn over the football on offense with their arguable backup quarterback and Kenny Pickett and or maybe Mason Rudolph if he does start. Um, just I think there's going to be heavy pressure on Browning and then the rushing game's not going to be able to sustain the offense yeah. when there's that hole missing on offense from Jamar Chase. Yeah, I was going to say, Jamar Chase being out is a major blow to them. They're going to be very predictable. They can double up T. Higgins. They're going to need another guy to step it up. Yeah, and, and Joey Porter, he's played very well against – any receiver so far. So I think, you know, doubling up T. Higgins, as you said, is going to be a problem for Jake Browning. Well, let's just kind of rumble through because we got a uh, a holiday weekend coming up. So this is going to be kind of a – surprisingly, there's there's a bunch of Super Bowl games. But let's talk, start with our Thursday night matchup, New Orleans at the Rams. I think the Rams are their favorite. They should have an easy time with New Orleans. As you mentioned, Saturday, two games, Pittsburgh at 430, the Chargers and Buffalo Bills at 8 o'clock. That should be a walk in the park for the Buffalo Bills facing – a coachless, quarterbackless L.A. Chargers. Then you have a whole slate of Sunday games on December 24th. Uh, guys, Dallas and Miami, that should be the game to watch for sure. That's got, you know, if you believe the hype, two teams that can't beat anyone above 500 are matched up against each Very important games in so the Sunday slate. Sunday slate games that are, like, very necessary. Detroit, Minnesota. Minnesota Seattle, could, Tennessee. Minnesota could get knocked out of playoff yeah. contention here with some yeah. wins for other teams. Yeah. Green Bay, Carolina. Green Bay absolutely needs the win. Yeah. yeah. Cleveland, Houston, that has playoff implications 100%. They're both tied at 8-6. and six. One's 9-6, and six, right? Oh. 8-6. and six. What are we talking about? I don't know. No, the Cleveland Browns are 9-5. and five, and yeah, the nine Texans, and five. Texans are 8-6, and six, yes. so they're both fighting. So they're both fighting for that wild card division. spot. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of Cleveland, wild Houston, card Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. Like Arizona, Chicago, eh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Tampa Bay Jacksonville is very important because Tampa Bay can yes. secure their division if Saints lose. Yep. Well, if Denver wins, like I predict, and somehow the red hot Las Vegas Raiders beat Kansas City, that I wanted really bad to pick them as my upset. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. I think <clears throat> if if Vegas is competitive in this game and it's one possession, or if they win it, I think you give Pierce the job. Yep. I think you have to. I, that's that's big for them because I think the last yeah. time that I mean they haven't beat them a ton in recent no, years with Mahomes. No. I think the last time they beat them, they were like circling the stadium was, or something. <laughs> like it was clear that they won and they haven't yeah. done it. A this ton. was John Gruden. Yeah, yeah. There's only three games on on Monday, which is yeah. against Monday night, Christmas only night, Christmas, <laughs> one o'clock, four thirty, eight fifteen. Vegas Chiefs, you don't want to miss it. Giants Eagles, you don't want to miss it. And Baltimore San Fran, you don't want to miss it. Now, if yeah, the Giants beat Philly, yeah. <laughs> The Cowboys could lose. They'll still win the division if they tie. The way it's going, and I got to look at this at the schedule, guys, because we have what? This is going to be um, week 16. Yeah, with the Eagles losing to an mm-hmm. NFC team Rival. in the Seahawks, uh, that benefits the Cowboys because now they have the same record, as you said, but um, they lost to the Bills in the AFC. So it benefits. I think it actually evens out 
them, but I think the Cowboys put more points on them total. So The sad news is the schedule people are not on our side because if we beat Miami, the best case scenario for us is we beat Miami, they lose to the Giants. It gives yeah, us this a is buffer. the English well, podcast. They play the You're Giants. Speaking French again. Well, next yeah. week, <laughs> uh, is it the medication again? Eagles we, play the Giants we, twice. Next week, Detroit goes to Dallas. Only good. These are both two dome teams, yes. so to speak. But Dallas is good at home. So are the, but, you know, the Lions are good on that field. Uh, but the Philly gets Arizona. Come on, man. Giants, Arizona, Giants. That's a trap game. That, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the Cardinals, they have no chance making the playoffs. But they're a scary team to play against because they have explosive receivers. Well, they're not always consistent. You have Rondell Moore. Michael Wilson just came back. Hollywood, he's been in and out. Uh, but you now you have Trey McBride as well. James Conner periodically is just the best running back in football just every other month, just for whatever reason. Uh, they're just an explosive team, and they're, they're a scary team to go up against because they have nothing to play for, and they they just keep it close. I know they lost to the 49ers, but they they were on their way to putting up 30 and points. Hollywood's dead to you if you have him fantasy. He goose egg two weeks in a yeah. row starting. Yep, he's so. gotten pulled out of both games, I think, with a heel injury. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of this week, you have a lot of wild card implications for, I mean, AFC and NFC, of course, but mostly NFC. The Saints and the Rams, as you said, uh, that determines their division and determines wild card regardless because the New Orleans Saints and the Rams have the same record. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars would put them one step closer to taking the division. And then obviously Green Bay and Carolina. Carolina is already eliminated, but Green Bay on their way to potentially being a wild card spot. They need to win, as Caleb said. There's just a lot on the line because Seattle, same boat, has to beat the Titans and the Titans, once again, just like the Cardinals, have nothing to lose. They're already out. So if Tommy DeVito beats the Eagles, mm-hmm. I will buy a Tommy DeVito jersey. Mm. The Cowboys fan will buy a DeVito jersey. I will buy a throwback blue NFL authentic <laughs> Tommy DeVito jersey. You're trying to look like Jeff Hostetler up in here. I promise. Well, don't threaten me, bro. You know, <laughs> let's, let's, You're a grown man. <laughs> I raise you to, to do what's right, but uh, they secure that playoff, that that division win. I mean, <laughs> if Dallas wins the division because of it, that that will happen. Then I'll I'll go have you so you can wear your jersey. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not wearing that trash. <laughs> anyway, he has two chances to do it. That's right. Yeah, and Miami's got Baltimore in Week 17, and uh, yeah, we can talk about that next week. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> enough said. We are done. We have uh, we've we've gotten you guys really close to the end of the season. Uh, so this is our week sixteen preview. We'll holler at you next week with our week seventeen preview. Thanks again. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please tell a friend and help us spread the word. We've set up our online shop at guyswithouthelmets.com where you can get your own guys without helmet gear. We also post a weekly video on YouTube, so please stop by and give us a like and subscribe to our channel. Finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets.